0: Well, over the last uh, few weeks, as uh, Adam shared a few moments ago, we've talked about some of the most important steps that you can take as a follower of Jesus Christ. We've talked about the importance of being baptized. Thank the Lord for Kaylee modeling that tonight. God calls us. If you've given your life to Christ, don't be ashamed of Him. Don't be afraid to, to go ahead and take that step and to let other people know, I am a follower of Jesus. I want everyone to know that I'm a child of God. We talked about spending time with God every day. It is absolutely critical to make a decision in your life that I'm going to worship God individually, on my own, every single day, spending time in His Word and seeking His face. We talked about accountability. I hope you took that serious. I'm telling you, every single one of these are critical. Accountability. If you as a Christian will make the decision that I'm going to have some people in my life that I'm truly honest with who can ask me tough questions and hold my feet to the fire spiritually with love, I guarantee you, your life will never be the same. We talked about serving. We talked about getting involved in ministry. It's what we were created for. God wants us to become reconciled with Him. And then when we come to Him, yes, we spend a lifetime getting to know Him and discovering Uh, what He wants to do in our lives, but much of that is found in letting Him use us in the lives of others. We are fulfilling the heart He has when we are serving other people. Then last week we talked about tithing. We talked about how many people who are serious followers of Jesus, one of the critical components of their life is they've said, everything in my life is God's. And I'm going to give faithfully to God's work. Because number one, I want to see His work flourish. Number two, I want to demonstrate that He has full reign over my life. And number three, there's a lot of cool things that happen when I give to God's work. And so those are critical decisions that anyone needs to make. I cannot emphasize those decisions individually to you enough. In fact, I should preach a message on every single one of those things. I really should. Amen? I did, okay? So you can go back. You can go back and listen to those messages. But I guarantee you, if you find someone that you say, I look at that person, and that's what I want. That's the walk with God I want. That's how serious I want to be about my relationship with God. I can almost guarantee you that every single one of these are an important part of their lives. Tonight is the final one that we're going to talk about. And it's probably one that you would not expect. But I promise you, if you take this step in your walk with God, it will change your life. In fact, I want to make something very clear. I believe that one of the reasons that the church, in the United States especially, looks so sickly today looks so sad and pitiful today to a watching world around us. One of the main problems that we have in not being God's people is that because many of us might be experiencing all the things we have talked about so far, but are missing the very thing that we're going to talk about tonight. It is absolutely a critical part of our walk with God and fulfilling His purpose for our lives. Tonight, I want to talk with you about going on a mission trip. Many Christians have never been on a mission trip. Many of you here tonight would say, I love the Lord. I'm growing in Him. I'm serving Him here in my church family. I'm being a part of His work as we're serving Him together in this community, but I've never been on a mission trip. I want to ask you to perk up and pay attention tonight. Because if you have not, This is one of the critical next steps for your life. And as we think about that, I want to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to study Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 17 through 24 tonight. But really, we kind of have to back up a few verses to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Because in those verses, we see Jesus doing something that Bible teachers call the sending out of the 70. Okay? Now what are we talking about there? What do I mean, what is happening as we look at these verses tonight? Well, previously, one chapter before what we're studying tonight, Jesus had sent out the twelve, the twelve disciples, the twelve apostles, we call them as they continue to serve the Lord and be a part of uh, establishing His work here in this world. So He sent them out in Luke chapter 9 on a short-term assignment, a short-term outreach assignment. Again, that was the 12 original apostles or disciples. But now, he's sending out a much larger group of disciples. Uh, Some of your translations say 70, some say 72. But Jesus is sending out 70, 72 of his followers. And by the way, he is showing us that serving God and being a missionary is not just for pastor types. Because if he had just sent out the 12, we might say that. But now he's sending out 70, 72 of his followers, of his disciples. And he's, he gives them some instructions. I just want to kind of quickly uh, summarize here for you. It's in your notes there. But he gives them some, we might say, missionary instructions. First of all, he puts them in groups of twos. And so he shows us it's important as we go out to serve the Lord to go out in teams, to go together with a team. In verse 1, he also, it says, he sent them out to all the cities and all the regions in that area. Jesus is showing us he wants us to go and spread the good news in the whole world. In verse 2, he tells them, he says, there's a lot of work to be done. We're going to a few cities and towns around here, but there's a whole world that I want to hear this message. And so God shows us, he wants us to pray as we go. Verse 3, he tells them, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face difficulty. It's going to be hard. You're going to be under attack. You need to be ready for challenges as you serve me. In verse 4, he tells them, go with urgency as you go. The time is running short, so go with urgency. Verses 5 through 7. Now, this is kind of an interesting uh, missionary uh, principle. Many missionaries recognize Jesus talked about in verses 5 through 7. When you go to serve the Lord in the area, look for a person of peace. Look for people who are in that area who are part of the community that can introduce you to others in the community and can say, hey, this person has a message from God, let's listen to their message. Then in verse 8, he told them to stay focused as they were on that mission, to stay focused on the right things and not get distracted. First time, he told them to help people and to spread the message that he's given them to spread. Verses 10 through 15, he told them that some people would not want to hear their message, but that was okay. That we can leave that between God and them. And then in verse 16, he told them, Listen, this work that you're doing, it's about me. It's not about you. Now we could spend a whole message and maybe even a series, maybe another time coming back and doing a little bit of understanding of those instructions that God gave us as we serve him. But that's not our purpose tonight. Our purpose is that they went. Okay, it's not how they went. That's verses 1 through 16. But we're focusing on verses 17 through 24 that they did go and what was the result of them taking what we might call their first mission trip adventure. So let's dig into it together. First of all, we find this. Going on a mission trip brings great joy to your life. Look at verse 17. It says, the 70 returned, what? You read the underline part. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, we don't know how long this assignment was. We don't know if it was a few days. We don't know if they were gone a few weeks. But much like we do, when we go on a short-term trip to serve the Lord and to share about Him in another area, we have a kind of a share time, don't we? We have a report time. We sort of debrief. We talk about the trip. And that's kind of what we see happening here. They went out on this uh, mission assignment from the Lord. And when they come back, we find they're debriefing. They're kind of sharing with the Lord what happened. And they're sharing that with one another. And the primary thing that comes out here is that they came back with what? With joy. They came back with great gladness, great enthusiasm, In their heart. Why was that? Why were they so thrilled to have had this experience? Well, one of the things mentioned here is that they learned some things about God and in their relationship with Him that they had never known before. They learned that they, as individuals, followers of Jesus, could be used by God. That God could work through their lives and the lives of other people... And even, they said, we have been used by God in situations that previously appeared impossible for us. They were beyond our ability, that even the demons, even the enemy's messengers are subject to us when we're serving God in His name. Isn't that incredible? Even the forces of darkness with God are not too much, and you ought to say amen, amen, When we have God with us, even the forces of evil, the worst that the enemy can throw at us, are not too much to overcome. No doubt they saw God provide. Amen? They saw God protect them. They saw God providing for them. They saw God working in ways, like I said, that they had never seen before. They saw people. They went out and they were serving the Lord. And there were people that they ran into, and there were those that you ever heard of a divine appointment before? Okay, it's when a willing witness comes across someone that God's been working in their lives and their lives intersect. Isn't that cool? Have you ever had that happen before? And they went out and they said, God, okay, we're going to let you use us. And they found that those cities and those villages and those towns that they had been in, that there were already people there that God was speaking to. And they would just stop and maybe get a bite to eat or they would just be... Uh, standing around a well somewhere like Jesus in John chapter 4, and these encounters would happen, and no doubt they saw people that God had prepared for them, amazingly, that said, you know, I was thinking about God today, and I was wondering, who on earth would I talk to about that? And here you are, you show up. You ever had that happen? You go, oh my goodness, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? It's like, no... God is real, amen? God is working in people's lives. God can use me. They certainly, they grew in their relationship with one another. No doubt, they had to trust one another. They had to work together in partnership. They saw God answer prayer. They saw God overcome obstacles. Friend, that is what happens when you go on mission with God. In fact, some of the closest connection that you will ever have with God in your life is when you're on a mission trip for Him. Think about it. God wants people to come to Himself. Isn't this a great God that we serve? Amen. Did you know that? This God that many churches paint as this uh, mean God who's just trying to play games with us and trip us up and make us look dumb and He's still going to kick us out anyway. That's not the God that we find in the Bible. We find a God that loves people. And He wants a relationship with people. And He provided so that people can have a relationship with Him for free. If we receive His gift and give our lives to Him. And they saw God doing that work. And when you're a part of that, you're right in the middle of God's will. In fact, sometimes when I'm on a mission trip, I just wish the Lord would come back right then. I wish He would just find me right in the middle of doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Amen? What a joy that is. And many of us who thought that we'd never amount to anything in life. Now God. Is somehow using me to touch someone else's life? I mean, that's the I love my Toyota jump off the stage thing. Amen? I mean, that's a, somebody get excited. My life does count. God is real. He's working in me. He's working in others. What a thrill. Those are experiences that will stick with you for the rest of your life. You're going to see an image on the screen of a young lady that I met a few years ago in Thailand. And this young lady, her name's spelled P-O-R, but actually I believe it's pronounced Bao. Okay, that's the best I can in sort of southern, taking on a little bit of New York, you know, 2014 English, okay? But I believe that's how you pronounce her name. But listen, this was one of the first people that I met in Thailand. And God just spoke to my heart about this young lady and a a friend of hers and several of those young people. We saw God do some cool things. But let me just tell you what. When we came back the next year, she was loving God and serving Him faithfully in the church that we're connected there with in Thailand. Go ahead and die now. Amen? It does not get any better than that. I mean, just beyond thrill. I have no greater joy than this, Third John 4, than to see someone that I was able to have some small influence in, even if I just carried the suitcases for the people that did share with it, that I got to be a part of that. I think of a guy right now. I think about him very often. His name's Arnie. I think one day the Lord's going to cause Arnie and myself to cross paths. About 15, 16 years ago, when I was in North Carolina, I came on a trip with my youth group to Western New York, to Cattaraugus County, New York. We were serving on an Indian reservation. And this little boy, like nobody had ever loved him in his whole life. He hung with us the whole week. I'll never forget when we pulled out the van, the 15-passenger vans, when we were pulling out, he was standing there. There was nobody else around. He was just standing there, just a little boy. I think about Arnie very often. I'm convinced I'm going to see him in heaven. I am. I pray for him hope one day I get to meet him. Amen? What joy that I got to be a part of his life. I think about a group of elders, a tribal council. I know y'all watch that Survivor and all like that. I'm talking about a real survival uh, tribal council, okay? I was in Kenya. The first trip I ever went on. Now, our church had been uh, many times before. And then when, I, when, uh, when God led us here, uh, we were able to partner with the church that i have been a part of before. And we were able to sort of tag along and see the work that God was doing. Well, when we went on that trip... There was a group of elders from tribes all around that area. I I think it was like 40 or 45 men. All the way from about age 18 to age 94. We had a person of peace, a young doctor in Kenya, who introduced us to that tribal council and said, These men have a good story. Listen to their message. Every single one of those men came to know the Lord as a savior. They went back in Kenya. Whoever the tribal leader is has incredible influence. And I'm not saying that he told all of them to become Christians but because many people didn't receive the Lord. But hundreds, thousands of people in Kenya in the years to come. I remember the pastor that I was with, he put his arm around my neck. He said, Robbie, you do not know what you have just witnessed. He said, we have been praying for an opportunity like this For years. And today God has opened the door. And I remember just standing out there. In the middle of Kenya. And just praising God. I just got on a plane. I just filled out a passport application. I just ate a few meals. And tried to let God use me. And I got to be a part of a domino effect. Of God's wonderful message. Going all across Kenya. Wow! Just a little old me. What a joy it can bring to your life. But secondly, going on a mission trip impacts eternity. Look at what it says in uh, verse 18. And Jesus said to them, I was watching, as they, as they came back and were relaying these things, he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, he says, pay attention to this, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Unfortunately, many people equate a mission trip with relief work. Have you ever noticed that? Many times when people are talking about, in fact, that may be your perspective of a mission trip. You think a mission trip is to go over and build a hospital for someone or provide food for someone. By the way, we want to build hospitals. Amen? We want to dig wells for people that don't have water. We want to provide food and clothing for people who are struggling and have the basic necessities of life. The Bible in 1 John calls us, Not to just put our arms around somebody and say a few spiritual things and walk off when that person's starving. Amen? That's just common sense. That's just truth. That's just reality. We should do those things and we're going to do those things as a church family. But listen, if we just give someone some food, if we even just build them a hospital or provide clothing, We are not truly finishing the work that God has called us to do. A mission trip for God impacts eternity. Look at Jesus' words in verses 18 through 20. He really says two things. He says, first of all, this is a big deal. What has just happened is a big deal. It has impacted the kingdom of God. He says, I was watching Satan fall from heaven. Basically, I think Jesus was saying Satan is already defeated. Amen? Hey, guess what? I cheated. I read the end of the book. At the end of the book, it says he loses. He loses completely. It's not even close. In fact, if you read Revelation, Jesus doesn't even have to lift a finger. He just says the, the truth, the reality, and the enemy is done for. But we are still in the midst of the battle. The war is not over. The victory is won. But the war is not over. We're still in the battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. And when we're serving God like this, we are a part of the enemy's defeat. I believe that's what Jesus was saying. My work is being accomplished. My kingdom is advancing. I can see Satan falling down from heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all seem very excited about Satan falling from heaven. But also, Jesus says, that can be a little bit scary to think about. He says, you don't have to be afraid of that. He says, I will protect you. Anybody who thinks about spiritual forces, I mean, that can be a little bit intimidating, can it? And by the way, it should be. The Bible says that in and of ourselves, we need to be very careful about playing around with spiritual darkness or spiritual realities. Because I don't have the ability to overcome those things. They are way bigger than me. But thank God that the Bible says, as greater is He who is in us than He that is in the world, it's not even close. The Bible says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The Lord says, when you do my work, you have my authority. I think I need some sound effects right there. been threatening that for years. <laughs> Every time we talk about the Lord's authority or the Lord's power, I just say, man, we should have some thunder right there. So we queued up some thunder tonight. <laughs> because that's what you ought to hear. When you think about the Lord in the midst of great challenges, now be careful, don't interpret this as, as some people have, we can walk on snakes or something. Okay? Remember, the Bible says, "Do not put the Lord your God to the test, except for that tithing thing, He said we could. But everything else, he says, "No. You're not supposed to go get up on top of our steeple and jump off and say, "Well, I love God, so if it's His will for me to live, I'm going to live." No, that's dumb. God's going to let you God's going to let you see how far that goes. But listen, He is promising supernatural ability to those who will do His work. Sometimes on a mission trip, let's say you're going overseas, I've mentioned some overseas trips, sometimes there will be a question about whether we can get through this checkpoint. And sometimes you have to say, God, we really want to go to that next place and share your message. But Father, it looks like We're probably not going to get through that checkpoint. So God, if it's your will, would you please allow that to happen? You know what happens? Funny how when you get to be the next person up, there's a shift change. And somebody else comes who the person before was rejecting a lot of people. And then there comes somebody that just has the brightest, prettiest smile you've ever seen. and says, sir, have a nice day. God does things like that, amen? Now, listen, I don't want to pull the rug out from under what He said here. Jesus said He will give us authority to, even if necessary, to see the miraculous. There are things that happen when you are on mission for God that we cannot ever see in any other place in our lifetime because if it's necessary to have happen, God can make it happen. God can create something. Out of nothing. So God does do the miraculous. If you got bit by a poisonous snake in a foreign culture, again, I wouldn't recommend experimenting with that. But if you are serving God, let's say you went uh, with us on a hurricane relief trip and you pull up a, a board to throw it away and get rid of it and there's a water moccasin under there and you get bit by that snake, God has the ability to take all that venom out of your body. Jesus said, listen, listen what he says in uh, verse, verse 19. He says, and nothing will injure you. Okay, it does not come across as much in English, but there is a triple negation in that verse. It's basically saying it is impossible for you to be harmed when you are under God's care. Now listen, that doesn 't mean that bad things aren 't going to happen right that doesn 't mean that we 're going to have that we 're not going to get sick or that we 're not going to run into problems or that the airplane gets redirected or things like that it 's not going to mean that we go to help someone clean up and and the town tells us that we can 't do it it 's not going to mean that bad things are not going to happen. but listen, Jesus is giving us complete confidence ultimately. When you're a God child, doing God's work, you are eternally protected. Amen? But he's given us assurance. I don't have to be afraid. When I'm doing God's work, God's way, and in God's timing, there is nothing to be fearful of. Isn't that encouraging? By the way, Jesus says, be careful about this. Be careful about getting too enamored with this part of it. Because to be very honest with you, many Christians are getting a little enamored with that kind of stuff. Okay, we need to be very careful about getting enamored with the miraculous. I don't need a miracle. All I need is God. Amen? If I need a miracle, God will provide it. But I don't need to worry about miracles. I don't need to try to manufacture them. I don't need to prove God to you through them. We don't need to do a bunch of stuff here at the front of our church to show anybody anything. If God wants to do a miracle, praise His name. But we don't have to focus on that. He says, listen, don't focus on that like many Christians. He says, the biggest thing that you should be happy about is you're going to heaven. That's what to be excited. In fact, in this statement, it's a strong statement that Jesus gives here. In fact, it's the idea of almost like signing a will. Okay, the wording that he uses here is like a ceremony that's very important. He says, rejoice that your name has been engraved. It's been inscribed in heaven. In fact, the way he puts it is, your name stands written. We should have queued up the thunder for that again. You talk about assurance. Some of us have never heard this at church. All we've ever heard is that God's just sort of playing games with us. He's sort of pulling us along. He's sort of keeping it away from us. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you can take it to the bank. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name is inscribed in the Lamb's book of life in God's presence. Isn't that good news? That's something to get excited about. I'm not focusing on the enemy. I'm focusing on this great God that I serve. That's something to rejoice over. So let's look at the third thing. In verses 21 through 22, it says that going on a mission trip blesses God. Imagine that thought for just a minute. Thankfully, if I'm born again, if I've received God's offer of salvation, I am already eternally pleasing to God. Isn't that good news? You might have a bad day today. Maybe a bad week. Bad few months. Bad decade. Okay, no hands, okay. (laughs) Okay. Isn't it good to know that no matter what happens the rest of my life, I'm going to heaven. If I blow it big time, I'm not trying to, but if I do, there, nobody, you can't, you, you come up here tonight, anybody that knows me better than anybody else could present a court case against me tonight. The Bible says tonight that God has promised That I am his child. Thank the Lord for that. But even though I don't have to do anything to earn God's love and acceptance, as a child of his, I do have a desire to bring blessing to his heart. Would you agree with me? So I'm not just saying, hey, I got a free ticket. I'm going to heaven, so now who cares? That probably shows that you don't really have a valid ticket if you have that heart. No, instead, you're like, if God would do this amazing favor for me, I want to bring joy to his heart as much as possible the rest of my life. Look at verses 21 through 22. It says, at that very time, at that very hour, he rejoiced. This is Jesus. He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. Is that not a... Some of you say, I've never heard that before. Is that not an image of our Lord that sort of changes... Can you not see Jesus? Just imagine the Lord rejoicing greatly in the Spirit. And He said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, And who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. The Bible says, there's two things that really stick out. It says, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Spirit. And He said, God, I praise You, Father, for these things. For this work that His children was doing. Isn't that incredible to think about? That they brought great joy to the Lord's heart. Wouldn't you want to do something to bring such pleasure to God? You know what I think is so kind of interesting here? He says, and by the way, these weren't experts who were doing this. That will be encouraging to you tonight. Anybody here ever feel like, you know what, God can never use me. I'm just sort of in the remedial program of Christianity. I'm just sort of working my way I'm sort of tagging along with everybody else. I'm sort of in the you know, hopefully he'll make it or hopefully he'll, he'll turn out to be something decent. But there's all these other wonderful people that God uses. That's not what the Bible teaches. And Jesus makes it very clear. He says, I praise you, God, that you're using not the experts, but just regular, simple people. He calls them infants here. Some of us have been waiting way too long to be on mission for God. We're waiting for a point, a place that we're going to get to that we'll have made it, or we'll have arrived, or we'll be worthy of doing it. Jesus indicates to us in His Word, it might be that the experts are the wrong people to do God's work. And that's not saying don't study. That's not saying don't grow. That's not saying don't get experience. It's saying that whether you are brand new, and you need to be encouraged that you're qualified to be used by God, or whether you've been a Christian for a while but face the temptation of pride and need to realize that no matter how long I've been walking with God, no matter how much information I know about Him, I always need to keep a humble, teachable, childlike faith before Him. God doesn't use I'm glad He doesn't use experts. Amen? Are you glad? Amen? Just like you sit right this very moment, God can use your life for His glory. What an image that God gives us here. What a challenge. What a calling that is to each one of us. Besides giving your life to Him, besides seeking to live faithfully for Him every day, the greatest joy I believe that you can bring to the heart of your Savior is to be on mission for Him. By the way, in this passage, we're focusing kind of on a short-term Mission trip, we might call it. That's sort of what we're focusing on. But I need to make sure you understand something. Yes, there is something very special about going on a mission trip. While you're on a mission trip, you're going to experience things about God that you've never seen before. No doubt about that. But listen, God really wants us to understand this. His intention is not just that periodically we get in a car we go on an airplane and we go somewhere over there to serve God. And then we come back and we're just normal people for a while. until that next great trip, God's intention we're talking about secrets here, OK? We're talking about serious, critical steps for your life. What I'm sharing with you right now is huge. God's intention for your life and for mine is that every day of my life is a mission trip assignment from Him. About 25 years ago, God called me and Shannon to set out on a journey. And we'd just been on a mission trip for about 25 years. We were already His children, but He called us there were several steps in that process, ultimately leading to, to New York. But it was Georgia, it was North Carolina. Now in New York, I know you're surprised now that I'm originally from Georgia. The accent's gone and everything. But, but I did. I grew up in Georgia, moved to North Carolina. But we started those steps. We've been on a mission trip with God for 25 years. And I can just tell you, that's the way to live your life. I'm not saying you have to be a pastor. I'm just saying whatever God's called you to do with your life, Understand that He's placed you there as a missionary for Him. When you serve Him with that kind of heart, it brings pleasure, a smile to the face of our God. But you know what? It's not just the Lord that's blessed. Let's look at verses uh, 23 through 24. Going on a mission trip, a blessing to you. It says, turning to the disciples, He said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. You read this part that's underlined. For I say to you that what? Are you listening to what you just read? I'm going to read it again. And I want you to read it once more. Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that. And did not see them. Many prophets and kings wished to see the things which, by the way, this you here is emphatic. Many prophets and kings wished to see the things that you see right now are experiencing. And they did not see them. And to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. He said, Listen, you're blessed to see these things you're seeing because there are people that would have loved to see these things. I don't think we understand where we are in the history of the world. Specifically in salvation history if you want to put it that way. Friends, listen. All along, God has wanted to bring people to Himself. And He started out in the Old Testament beginning to sort of introduce us to the concept of a relationship with Him. And so throughout the years, these prophets and these uh, people called by God, His messengers, have been giving out that message until this very day that we live today. And Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 says that back then, God had said to them one day, I'm going to do my spirit, I'm going to do my work. My spirit is not just going to work around you. He's not just going to work through you sometimes, but He's going to live you. I'm going to live in people. That's called the New Covenant. We call it the New Testament. The New Covenant was that God was going to do a work so that we would not have to make sacrifices like the Old Covenant, but so that we could have an eternal covenant. Thank God we don't have to bring lambs and doves and things like that and have sacrifices by priests tonight. Thank God that we've already got the sacrifice completed. Now we can focus on the relationship. And those people in the Old Testament longed for that. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse 16 in your notes, the Bible says that those people looked forward and they they saw that day. They had a sense about what God was saying He was wanting to do. And they would have wanted to be a part of that, but they understood that that wasn't their role. And so we live under the new covenant. And listen, when the new covenant came... And they were beginning to transition to that here in the New Testament. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to live in their hearts. Now God is doing that work that is, drumroll please, all throughout history. This was what God was wanting to say. Jesus, what Christ has accomplished, that's what I want to say to you. And now I'm in you, I want you to go and spread that good news. There are people throughout the centuries, who wish they could have lived when we're living. And by the way, maybe even, let's flip this around a little bit, because most of us would say, I wish I lived back when Jesus was walking on this earth. Actually, there's a sense in which, I gave you a couple of verses there in the book of John, John 14 and John 16, John 14, 12 and John 16, verse 7. There's a sense in which Jesus says, actually, it's better for us When he was here walking on this earth, it was just one of him with his disciples at any given time. But he said, it's actually better that I go away so I can send my spirit to live in your heart so I can be with every single one of you all the time. So we actually have it better in that sense. And then I want you to think about this. We live in the United States of America. What do we have because we live in the United States? We have freedom, don't we? We live in a country where there's freedom. We have the ability, we have transportation. We have the ability for movement. We have technology. We have the ability... The people in Kenya, those tribes are out in the middle of nowhere. I would walk out into one of those villages and these people would flip out a cell phone. Are you kidding me? We're 40 miles out in the middle of the bush but you could call somebody out here? There is through Skype, through Internet, through all these, this different technology that we've been given, and watch the news. It looks a lot like we're living in the last days. Wait just a minute. You read some stories and say, I wish I could have lived back when they did. Have you ever thought that when we get to heaven... Some of those great people of God might say, so what was it like? What was it like, Butch? What was it like, Robbie? What was it like, Chris? What was it like to live in those last days? Tell us your story because you've got one of the best stories God ever wrote. Isn't that incredible? When you get on mission for God, it turns things around, doesn't it? Over the last little while, I've had some challenges in my life that have made me have to make some adjustments. Thank the Lord, pretty much been able to fulfill what God's called me to do. But there's one thing that I haven't been able to do for a little bit. And it's part of the evidence that I may be coming back. Because I'm praying right now. Where am I going, Lord? Where am I going? Because just as soon as I'm able, and just as soon as God shows me, I'm going somewhere. I'm going on a mission trip. Because people need the Lord. Amen? I want to tell you something. I want to challenge you. If your pastor would say tonight, that being on mission for God is so critical to his life, that he misses it and wants it and is looking for it intently. God, what are you trying to say to me as a follower of yours as well? Would you ask the Lord that tonight? Would you ask? I'll give you some questions there in your notes. I want you to look at it as we close out tonight. Is it time for you to go on a mission trip? Is it time? I'm not qualified. We already covered that one, right? No experts. No experts. Is it time for you to go again? Maybe you're still living off the memories of something long ago. If it is time, will you take a step today? In just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to talk with someone. If you want, after the service, to pray with somebody. Maybe just say, God's speaking tomorrow. I don't know where it is. That's what I'm saying right now. God, I don't know where it is. My heart is open. You want somebody to know that. I'm making myself accountable tonight, sharing with you. You want somebody to pray with you about that. I'll tell you a good step to take. Go get a passport. That'll show the Lord you're serious. Because you can't go anywhere in the world right now if you don't have one. So why don't you just go ahead and say, God, you you fill in the the name, where? But I'm already going to get legally ready and make an investment. Is that the step that you need to take tonight? Become a part of our Acts 1.18. That's one of our big, hairy, audacious goals in our church is to have a team of people that are helping us plan for touching the world for the Lord. Is it time for you to go on mission for God every day? If we leave here tonight, a bunch of missionaries for God in Queensbury, Glens Falls, Warrensburg, this area. I truly believe that is what God is up to through this church. We've got to answer that call. Is some sin holding you back? You say, you know what? I know there's a choice I'm making right now that's keeping me from being on mission with God. I'm embarrassed to share Christ with people. I'm embarrassed to be His representative because I've got some things in my life that just don't represent Him. The last thing is this. You just need to give your life to this great missionary God. Yes, yeah, sometimes we get on a bus or we get on a plane to go to other places and share about God. But there's a lot of people in our area who don't have a relationship with God. And thankfully, many of them come to church at New Hope and are seeking to understand more about God, why don't tonight you say, God, I want to give my life to you. Would you pray with me as we bow our heads? Pastor Jeff comes. As I said in just a moment, we're going to close out the service and we're going to have some people down front that can pray with you. But right now, if God's speaking to your heart, why don't you make that decision between you and Him? If you're that person that would say, Jesus, I need to give my life to you. I need to receive you as my personal Savior. Would you just call out to Him? Many young people made that decision this week at the soccer clinic. Praise the Lord. Maybe tonight's your night. Adult, maybe. Let's have some adults represented in the fun tonight. Would you just say, dear Jesus, I know I need you. Please come into my life and wash my sins away. I want to follow you the rest of my life. God is speaking to you, if He's knocking on the door of your heart, Robbie, I'm calling you out. Step out of the boat. Let's go a new direction. I've got some people that I want to hear about me. I'm preparing them to hear it through you. Will you answer my call? Lord, I don't know what that means. How much will it cost? When is this going to be? I don't, how much vacation time will I need? All you need to do is just say yes. Yes, Lord. And then he'll show you the rest. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for this series. I pray as we wrap it up tonight, you'll just seal together whatever decisions we need to make. Help us to have the courage to step out, to share with someone else, to make that commitment, to buy that passport, to take that step of action tonight, to show you that we're serious about following you. We pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.